This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. AMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, good gardening. We are live and lively from Allen's Tree Service, 2755 West Pierce Boulevard. And West Pierce Boulevard is actually a frontage road for Highway 70. If you need directions, 636-332-5535. Great website. It actually shows examples of some of the work Allen's Tree Service has done. You can go to allenstreeservice.com. Ryan's doing the engineering, remote engineering, and Matt's back at the studio. He's doing the producing. Second hour means the tip of the trowel, and I'll be giving the tip in a few moments. But thanks for having me on your show. Remember, if you were not there, I would not be here. Any questions or comments or concerns, you can call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. To get things rolling, how are your annuals doing? Man, the pansies. I thought my pansies were cooked because we had that really warm spell. But this cool weather and the rain and everything else, they are looking good. Now, also realize your pansies are probably elongating. The stems are elongating. The flowers are not nearly as big as they were when you first bought them. But they still look great. And how about your bulbs? I've just finished. I haven't cut all of it off, but I've cut probably 75 or 80 percent of my you know, spring flowering bulb foliage off. So I just I do things that I re- recommend not doing. The foliage was still kind of green. It wasn't half brown yet, but I want to see if these are going to come back because some years they do and some years they don't. And I just like to do stuff that I tell myself that I say don't do and, that, you know, because I want to see what happens if I do it. Your edibles, somebody called in the last hour, had when the warm weather was out, they planted a bunch of tomatoes and peppers or, and things like that, the warm season vegetables. With all this rain and everything else, who knows how they're going to be. So, you know, don't necessarily, you know, don't yank them up out of the ground yet, but be prepared that you may have to do a replacement. How about your ground covers, your house plants, your tropicals? And um, I sp- put my uh, tropicals out, my kaffir lilies, clivias. And last year, they didn't sunburn where I set them. This year, where I set them, they have some of the foliage has sunburned. So I'm going to have to cut that off sooner or later. Perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines, or water gardens. But please remember, my answers, comments, and opinions are offered strictly as an option to help you achieve your goal. And by no means the only way to go. If you're considering changes in your yard, your landscape, whether aesthetic or problem solving, and you'd like to have me come over and walk around your home, your landscape, even houseplants inside, I do something called a walk and talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. There on the homepage, there's an email address and a phone number that you can get in touch with me. And we can uh, 
sort of just take a look at what's actually happening. Today's tip of the trowel is a special recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me, and it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. And the tip of the trowel to today... One's a second annual Progressive Pavilion Party, and that's by the Young Friends of Tower Grove Park. They're hosting this, you know, late or mid-spring, some summer, <laughs> mid-spring fundraiser in Tower Grove Park's iconic pavilions. And it's modeled after those progressive dinner situations. So each one of the pavilions is going to have, you know, a different focus in that underneath that pavilion. So that's going to be next Wednesday, Wednesday? No, next uh, Saturday, next Friday, next Sunday, who knows? But it's May 13th. The event will feature historic pavilions and it will end up at the music stand. You can enjoy food, drinks from local restaurants and bars, as well as live music at each location. Tower Grove Park, if you don't know where it is, it's basically butts up to the Botanical Garden. The actual address is 4256 Magnolia Avenue. If you want more information, you can call 314 314- Seven seven one four four two four, or you can go to the website friends at org. The second tip of the trial goes out to Garden of Glass, which also opens May thirteenth, and uh, wow, this is going to be something else. This is Garden of Glass is the art of Craig Mitchell Smith, and it's. What it is is blown glass in salt, you know, in sculptures. A botanical garden. This is the summer exhibit, and it is just unbelievable. The majority of the exhibit is going to be inside the Climatron, which is just a cool place in and of itself. So there's going to be blown glass, orchids, blooms, dandelions, butterflies, lotus, birds of paradise, and everything else. It's going to be unbelievable. Climatron has always been one of the places I've been very close to because when I was in sixth grade. In Ellisville in 1960, we went to a field trip the first year the Climatron opened, and I have never, ever gotten over that. So when I worked at the garden, I worked four years in the uh, English Woodland Garden, but I had to work at least one year in the Climatron, and that's what I did before I left. So Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, back to the phones we go. And thanks to Felix for holding on. And Felix, how are you doing today? Uh, yes. Yes, um, I got a question. Um, I'm a little nervous about spend, uh, spending a lot of money to get my yard in back in condition um, in terms of seeding and fertilizing because of a uh, active mold problem that had caused my yard to go from bad to worse. And is that logical to not to do anything until I get rid of the mold? Absolutely. If you don't, you know, unfortunately, let's say you have a female mole and she's already had some more babies. So where you had just maybe one mole, you know, now you could have three or four. Now, the, the young ones will finally migrate away. But, yeah, you've got to get rid of the problems with anything before you start to do, you know, let's say fix it up. Because you could just be spinning your wheels, spending more money and everything else. So get the mold traps, have a professional service come out or whatever you choose, and just kind of go from there. Okay. Well, uh, thank you very much. Is there any hint on how to get rid of it besides the uh, peanuts and the uh, grub worms? Or- 
Yeah, the grub worms, all that stuff really doesn't work all that much. The grub worms is not part of the, I mean, it's part of the diet, but the main food that er, er, moles eat is earthworms. So they hear earthworms crawling underneath the soil. That's where their tunnels go. If they happen to come across a grub, then consequently they're going to eat it. But grubs are not main, their main diet whatsoever. So that is a fallacy that has been embedded in people's minds, and it's not, you know, it's not correct. So getting rid of grubs has nothing to do with getting rid of moles. Okay, thank you very much. Yes. And so it's just going to be, you know, and the traps are probably the best thing to use. And, you know, I mean, they spear, they, you know, I mean, they choke them. There's two different traps, Victor spear and choker loop trap. So getting a couple traps, tamping all the tunnels down so you can find out where they're the most active right then. And then setting the traps. If you don't get a mole that, you know, within 24 hours, then you got to move it to a different, you know, different spot. So good luck with that. Moles is, uh, you know, a disaster as far as what they can do to the landscape. Let's go now to Bob, and Bob lives in Oakville. Hi, Bob. Good morning. Um, Mike, I have a two-tier retaining wall. It's covered with English ivy. And last summer, uh, late, it got invaded by a, um, a weed, um, and it covered portions of the ivy. Uh, I pulled them out by hand, and I noticed this year that uh, there, there's more. Uh, it's a type of weed. It's a broadleaf weed. It's a type of weed that'll go up a tree. And uh, is there anything I can do to to uh, kill the weed without damaging the English uh, ivy? Uh, generally, unless it's poison ivy, there's not too many weeds per se that you know that will climb up trees. You sure this is not just a different type of ground cover, like a euonymus winter creeper or something? Oh, I, I really don't know. It's okay. just a broadleaf, uh, uh, creepy crawler type of thing, and it's covered in the ivy. <laughs> yeah. I, I would say, t- you know, t- take a couple cuttings of this weed and take it to your favorite garden center. Have them ID it before you take any kind of action. Okay. But there's not really too much that you're going to be able to do other than, like, I don't know how much there is or anything else. Let's say you find out it is euonymus. It's a broadleaf evergreen that's a, you know, sold as a ground cover, but it's extremely invasive. It can crawl over the top of a lot of things. It can climb trees. But you know, short of just going out there, crushing the stem, and then painting Roundup right on it, there's not too much else you can do that's going to be selective enough to impact whatever this weed is and not impact your ivy. Okay. Well, thank you, Mike. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but... Uh, those are some of the disasters that happen. And how did it get in your yard? Who knows? I mean, it could have, you know, it could have come in with, you know, actually with, I, I don't know how long the ivy's been in there or anything else. But even a small sprig, I found a couple sprigs of this euonymus winter creeper in the alley. So when the uh, yard waste dumpster tr- or yard waste trash truck came by and dumped, some of it didn't go into the, the actually yard waste truck and it fell onto the alley. So I just stuck it in this bed that's behind my uh, garage and between my garage and the alley. And I, it was like three sprigs. And now it's amazing. And just in two years, how much that thing grows. So just watch out for that. So now let's go to Jacksonville and talk with Todd. Todd, how are you today? Pretty good. I have a couple of questions surrounding this black walnut tree I have in my yard. Uh, I've always heard that you're not able to plant anything near it because of what it does to the soil. Uh, is there anything truth to that? 
there is somewhat of a truth, but it doesn't prevent all plants from growing. So this chemical that the root system of the walnut releases is called juglans. And so there are some plants that can handle it. You know, some of the perennial varieties, some of the, let's say, ones with thicker, bigger root systems, they can grow you know, underneath it. Some of the ivies can grow underneath it. But then some of the other things, I mean, you can just go online and just look and see, you know, plants that can grow underneath uh, walnut trees. And then kind of take, it's going to be a hit or miss iffy type thing. So when you say underneath, that's anything as far as, uh, the width of the branches? Pretty much. It goes out to the drip line because, I mean, that's the tree. Walnuts just don't like any kind of competition at all. You certainly can't grow any lawn underneath it. That's not going to be a possibility. If you like moss, you might be able to get some moss. It's not necessarily going to go all the way out to the tips of the branches, but uh, ultimately the tree is going to get bigger. Consequently, the root system is going to get bigger, so it's going to migrate, you know, further and further as far as the release of the juglans and prevent the plant material from being able to get established. Now, um, one other question concerning the tree itself. Uh, I noticed last year on the main trunk there was a split that appeared in the bark, and it kind of oozed sap, and then that later in the summer went up another uh, main I mean, this tree is probably about 40 or 50 foot tall. Right. Uh, is that an indication that it's on its way out? Not necessarily. Any, what I would do is where this split is, go out there and just try to pull the bark loose so you can expose whatever this is. It could be a lightning strike. It could be who knows exactly what's causing this. You know, walnut trees, are, as you know, the wood is pretty darn hard. So there's not really too many insects that impact it. So it almost has to be something that's physically related as opposed to an insect-related type thing. But pull the bark loose and just take a look, you know, at what there happens to be there where the sap is oozing, if the bark is loose at all. If it's not, just, uh, you know, kind of leave it alone. Okay, so... One last question on that. If it happens to continue and, and die, let's say, right? how soon or is there anything I could do to remove all the poisons or whatever out of the soil that retards the growth of other plants? Basically not. Because okay. even if you have the stump ground out, the root system's going to stay viable, whether the trunk's been damaged or not. And depending upon the tree, the health of the tree, regardless of what type of tree it is, whether it's a maple, whether it's an elm, whether it's a walnut, the root system can stay viable for several years. Each year, the root system is going to implode a little bit more and more and more, so it's going to, the biomass is going to get less. So consequently, the juglans, I don't think... You know, I could be wrong about this. I don't. Once the root system is entirely gone, then I don't think the juglans is going to be emitted from, let's say, dead roots that are there. But it's going to take a couple years before the roots are going to become, let's say, dysfunctional. Right. Okay. Well, that's good news, knowing that it's not on its way out, most likely. So. Right. Thank you for your help. Sure. Good luck with that. And yeah, walnuts. Uh, you know, a lot. Of, they're great trees. There's no getting around it. So a split oh, it, in the bark. Yeah, I mean, they're fantastic. Beautiful tree. (laughs) Yes. Thanks, Todd. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, folks, we are Allen's Tree Service and 2755 West Pierce Boulevard in Winsville, 636-332-5535. 
Allenstreeservice.com, great website, can show you some of the work they've done. And now let's go to Arnold and Troy, or is it Troy and Arnold? <laughs> sure. Uh, um, no, my name's Arnold. We live north of Troy, uh, Illinois. Great. Perfect. Sir, I, I would differ with you on on your comment about the, the black oaks. Um, we have on our property a couple different species of the black oak. Really? Uh, yes, sir. And and the we have a book from the Missouri Department of Conservation, um, a field guide, and and it does under red oak it lists black oaks. Wow! Uh, so I was wrong. Well, I'm I'm not trying to pick on you, sir, but. Uh, uh, I've, uh, I'm 79, sir, and 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 at at age five, I would walk home from the uh, school that I had started with in a country school, a mile home, go down to the sawmill where my dad was sawing, my mother was running the steam engine, and I I was able to open and close the throttle on the engine so so mom could go to the house and prepare food for us for the evening. Uh, I've had a very different life, sir, and, and one I don't regret. Uh, <laughs> I still put in 16, 18-hour days. Well, and that sounds perfect. If you would ever want to come out, I, I, would, I would gladly over, you know, personally over the phone to you, give you directions to get to our place. But we, we have the Burroaks, the Burroaks uh, uh, mainly are in the, we're in the creek bottom. Right. But, but the, uh, we have black oaks, sir. And, okay, and I, I believe we have a couple different, I don't know what the proper term would be, uh, species, subspecies or whatever, in that they throw different types of acorns. Wow. Um, we have one that the turkeys dearly love. Uh, oh, thanks. Because they're very small, and and the turkeys uh, just just tear the ground up underneath them. Well, thanks, Arnold. I greatly appreciate it, and it just goes to show that uh, there are people out there that know much more than I do. So uh, thanks a lot. And for the information, I'll do a little bit of research on the Black Oaks and uh, talk about them next week during the show. Joining me right now is Brian from Allen's Tree Service. I saw you just loading up a, a pickup truck. Yes, sir. So what, you, know, you have a little bobcat. And so, how much does that bobcat scoop hold? It is a half yard. Okay. Yeah. So, a cubic yard. Cubic yard, yes, sir. So, how many square feet is that? I don't... I'm kidding you. (laughs) You put me on the spot, aren't you? (laughs) But one thing I found really unique when we were outside before the show started, what do you guys actually do with the, you know, the bobcat, let's say, tracks or treads when they're finished? It's something you've just started doing. Well, I know everybody uh, uh, knows about the raised garden beds, you know, which these rubber tracks off machines, this is not something everybody can get. But uh, Bobcat of St. Louis, the used ones, uh, they will give them to you if you like. You can go by there, you can call them and contact them, and if they have some old used ones available, they will gladly let you have them. And uh, you can make a raised garden bed. It lasts forever because of the rubber. Right. And it's just a great way to um, recycle, you know. So, and as you know, it's much easier on your back if you have a raised garden sure. bed. You right. have to bend over so far, contains the material. And it works good for people that doesn't really have a big yard, you know. So, it's a great thing. So, how do you attach it? So, it's round. It is, I'm assuming it's broken or is it No, just... no, it's round. It, it stays round. That's how it attaches to the machine. Ah. So, when you take it off, it's already round. There's no way you have to attach it, you know, back to itself. 
and uh, just flip it over on the ground, and there you go. Pretty it's, clever. So I'll have to stop by in a, you know, another month or two when you guys have got it planted and see how well it, it's working. Sure. Yeah, it would be great. Wow. Yeah. So okay. a little bit about, again, you've been here 14 years, and you're responsible for taking care of the yard and for loading people that come to, you know, to get product. Yes, sir. Yeah, we have, as you know, all kinds of great products, uh, you know, dyed mulches. We have uh, um, a clean wood chip. It's right. 100% white oak. Works great for ground cover, for covering up uh, pathways or maybe some uh, area where you don't really need grass growing, but you don't want the mud there. Sure. Works great for that. We have a compost product, which is really a good a good product also. So, And we even sell what we call a dirty wood chip, which is the chip right out right of the back of the chipper truck. May have a few sticks and limbs with right. it, but also works great for ground cover and for using on pathways. You know, some people have a little pathways through the woods. Sure. And it works great for something like that. Right. And it's a cheaper product that way for people. So we try to offer a variety of stuff at a variety of prices, you know, for everybody. Great. Thanks, Brian. Thank you. And now let's go back to the phones. Let's head over to Collinsville and talk with Pat. Pat, how are you today? I'm fine. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, It's about my yard at the perimeter, you know, where the grass meets the sidewalk. Right. I have all these little dirt balls that have little holes in them. And our grass is Bermuda grass. Any idea what that might be? That's earthworms. They're pushing soil up to the surface. So oh. if, they're, if they're really hard and crunchy, little kind of like mounds, almost looks like a volcano, that's due yeah. to the earthworm activity. So that's, it's nothing bad? No, not at all. Oh, well, that's good to hear. And <laughs> do you recommend fertilizer for Bermuda beds? Absolutely. Same fertilizer as for zoysia. So you start fertilizing when they see, you know, greening up. My zoysia is totally green already. I'm assuming your Bermuda is probably pretty green right now. Pretty green. Uh So go go to your favorite garden center. Tell them that you have Bermuda. You want a warm season lawn grass fertilizer and see what they'll recommend. Okay. Thanks so much. Yep. And also, like the gentleman that called earlier, you, you Everybody should really have a soil test done at least every couple of years to find out, you know, what's going to be the best thing as far as the analysis for your fertilizer. Because, we're, mm-hmm. again, some of these soil tests are indicating we've got extravagant levels of phosphorus and potassium, which is dehydrating root systems, which is causing, you know, some decline out of the lawn circumstances, lawn situations. Because lawn here is difficult to grow because we're on that transition zone. Summers are too hot for the cool season lawns like fescues and bluegrass. Winters are too cold for the for the Bermudas and zoysias. So it's just it makes it really really tough. So if more information you have on what type of nutrients to put down with your fertilizer, the better it's going to be for you. So thanks, Pat. Okay, thank you so much. Yes, and now let's go. Well, why don't we take a break? Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. Yes, folks, we still, got a, we still have about 10 minutes, so 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We are live and li- lively from Allen's Tree Service, and uh, they're out here in West Pierce Boulevard, which is basically the frontage road along Highway 70 in Winsville, 636 636- 332-5535. AllenStreeService.com is the website. Let's go over to Belleville now and see what's going on in Jim's yard. Hi, Jim. Oh, good morning, Mike. Thank you Hi. for your service. Sure. The uh, subject this morning is crepe myrtle. Uh-huh. Uh, they're either old plant in excess of 15 years old. A couple of years ago, uh, we had that 10 below zero 
whether it froze back to the ground. Right. I cut it off about a height of about six inches. The base of it now is in excess of a foot in diameter, maybe 18 inches in diameter. Wow. Uh, a whole bunch of uh, stumps. Uh, and now this year, mild winter, but it has decided that it's not going to regenerate any of the smaller canes that came up. Uh, they're eighth of an inch, in, I mean, they're a, a half an inch in caliber. Uh, but they're just generating a couple at the very perimeter. Uh, has it lived its useful life? Is uh, Can I take the center of it out and maybe the root system will come back? What uh, do you you think? Could, yeah, you could try that. It sounds like it's kind of finished, though. If you're getting okay. this kind of performance out of 15 years is not really extremely old for a crepe myrtle. But every circumstance, every setting, every yard is going to be a little bit different. Mm-hmm. There's some crepe myrtles in the Shaw neighborhood around the Botanical Garden that are not on the Botanical Garden grounds, but they're in front of people's homes that I know are at least 40 years old because they were growing when I was at the Botanical Garden on the staff, and they're still there. So it just, you know, this individual circumstance, this individual situation, this individual plant, it sounds like it's finished. You could try to dig it up and cut the center of it out and see what happens, but, uh, you know... I wouldn't put a whole lot of uh, you know effort into that. You know, this is not yeah. like an ornamental grass where you can dig up the whole thing and chop out the center, which is dead, and just plant the perimeter. But you could try mm-hmm. it and see what happens, and you could call back just like the gentleman with the black oak situation and prove me uh-huh. wrong. So, I mean, that's what it's all about. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I just want to know: uh, is it shovel and pruning, or is it backhoe time? <laughs> <laughs> so and, I think right. I'll take. I'll dig it out from the center with the backhoe and see what the perimeter, if it regenerates anything, or will right. I bring up any viable roots. <laughs> that, you know, that sounds like a good idea. And also make sure you have a back brace because this root ball is going to weigh a ton. Oh, well, no. But I you're got... using a backhoe anyway. <laughs> yeah, I have hydraulics. <laughs> I don't pick up anything. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jim. Thanks. Thank you very much, sir. And now let's go to stay over in El- Illinois, go to O'Fallon from Belleville, and go to Margie's yard. Hi, Margie. Hi. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, last a couple weeks ago, I was listening, and you were talking about mungo pines being eaten by some caterpillars. Right. And I'm so grateful I was listening because I went out to check mine, and they were being eaten by the same caterpillars. Right. Uh, I've killed them, but now there's some damage. Is it okay? To, should I turn that out, or will it start to grow again? Well, where they've chewed the needles off the mugo pine, and this is from my observations out my window and just looking at it in general, that stem will not have any, those needles won't regenerate. The candles that are above that are regenerating and growing. So there's always going to be that gap depending upon how much of uh, you know the needles on one particular stem or how many different places. That will never really infill. It's just going to be sort of a weird-looking gap with no needles on it. You could yeah. have needles below it and needles above it, but uh, that's pretty much it. So if I trim out that area that's been eaten, will it maybe make another branch out of the top or yeah it should it won't be at the very top but you know there should be some dormant let's say buds you know to put out new growth now that's not going to happen until next year because they've already probably put the surge of growth out this year already but uh so the candles and everything else so you know anticipate seeing some new growth at that location next year but probably not any this year okay okay that's fine but it's okay to trim that out right 
Okay. Okay, thank you so much. Sure. And the, you know, those pine saw flies are actually, it's a, we call it a fly. It looks like a fly, but it's actually a wasp. And I was just flabbergasted by, you know, seeing how much damage these things actually did. And uh, so, oh, yeah, yeah, it's, I mean, you just, like I said, I squashed them with my hands. And, I mean, you could really even smell the pine needles smell. So they had eaten so many. But anyway, thanks, Margie. I had too many to squash. I had to spray them. Oh, did you? But. Yeah, I just I used love- insecticidal soap and it killed them. Yeah, I like to torture bugs, whether it's slugs <laughs> throwing them out in the street or squashing caterpillars or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Okay, thank thanks. you. Sure. Bye. Let's go to Creve Core and talk with John. John, how are you today? Good morning, Mike. Hey, Hi. I have a question. I, I have a very nice fescue lawn that I have some Bermuda that is reappearing. Is there a way to eliminate the Bermuda or inhibit its growth. And secondly, if you have time, I have an oak tree that has a uh, type of gall caused by a wasp larva, Mm -hmm. and I'm wondering what I need to do to uh, retain my tree. And I'll take my answer offline. Great. Basically, with the galls, you don't have to worry too much about them. They are not problematic from the standpoint it's going to really kill your oak tree. But, I mean, these are the wasps that, you know, the females sting put those, the eggs in there, and that bloating is what the, you know, the insect larvae, the wasp larvae, not the traditional type wasp, has growing around it to protect it from any, let's say, birds or anything else. So, but as far as getting rid of Bermuda in a regular grass, you almost have to cordon off the area that has Bermuda and then either use a grass killer or use Roundup, kill that spot off entirely, and don't allow the drift. So that's, I mean, it's tough when you get Bermuda in something. Because there's nothing that's going to be selectively to take that off. So just make sure you minimize the amount of the herbicide that you're going to use onto your desirable lawn. Do it as soon as you possibly can so you can have this, get some grassy down or some sod down before the heat of the summertime comes. Because if you don't, it can be really rough. Sherry and O'Fallon, you are going to be our last caller of the day. Hi, Sherry. Hi, Mike. Um, for Christmas, I received a Norfolk Island pine, mm-hmm. and I had planned to put it outside and watch it grow for 20 years. Um, I, I understand it's not really a pine tree that could go outside. Is it a house plant? Yes, it's, it is a house plant. Now, if you lived in Australia or something, or Norfolk <laughs> Islands, you could grow it outside very easily. Or if you lived in Southern California or some of the warmer climates. But definitely, it's not a hardy tree for the outdoors here. So, I mean, I've had them for you know several years. Until they got so big, I just kind of tossed them away. But you know, watch out. Just in general, they want to have as much sun as they possibly can. So put them in a bright, sunny west or south window that is, you know, has sun actually coming through, just not facing that direction where you got big trees that create shadows. But uh, I mean, it'll, it'll you know, it'll grow. Its tendency will be the newest growth that starts coming out will overgrow the lower growth, and then it'll start losing some of the lower branches. But uh, there's not too much you can do about that. It's just kind of something to enjoy for as long as you can keep it alive. You can, can put it out. Up- can go outside yes. in the uh, summertime. Yes, it absolutely can. Just don't put it initially in direct sun. Okay. Put it in a part shade location, and as the summer goes on, as it gets more acclimated to more and more light, 
then put it to you. You can try it in the full sun. Just watch out because the needles that are on there right now may get sunburnt regardless of you know what you do. So you may be better off to keep it in a part of an area where you're only basically going to get some sun, sun in the morning as opposed to that intense afternoon evening sun. Okay, that's great. I will do my best not to kill it. <laughs> they, I mean, they're a little tough. They're not as bad as gardenias, but they're you know a tough plant. But they're really kind of attractive. They're really unusual to have for a house plant. So you may enjoy it for several years. Well, it, it is beautiful. Yes. So, well, thank you very much. I well, appreciate great. the information. Sure, and good luck with that. Yell, no Fork Island pines. Uh, wow. They, like I said, they just, you know, even though they call them a pine, it is technically a pine because they do produce cones, but they're not going to produce, you know, they're not going to be able to survive in the outdoors. So uh, thanks to everybody for calling in. I want to thank Matt. Thank Matt. He's done the producing. I want to thank the people here at Allen's Tree Service for having me out again. For, and if you have any questions for Allen's Tree Service, 636-332-5535, website allenstreeservice.com. Also, thanks to Brian from the staff here. In between him loading up trucks and trailers and everything else, he managed to squeeze in some time to share some of his great stories about Allen's Tree Service. And then thanks to Ryan for doing the engineering. We had no problems like usual. The guy's an actually you know, very much of an expert. So just get out there. Take a look around at your landscape. Look for those low wet spots because it could be disastrous. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. I will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.